All right, Ephesians chapter 5. Last week we um, talked about marriage, the roles and responsibilities for wives. And this week we're going to jump right in and talk about marriage and the roles and responsibilities for husbands. So wives, if you felt like last week, why is he just picking on me? Well, this week it's our turn, my turn to pick on the husbands. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 25. Let's stand as I read this morning's text. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave him of water with the word, so that he may present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You may be seated. Let's bow our heads and just ask God's blessing upon the word this morning. Father, we thank you for your word that is authoritative, that is instructive. Lord, that it brings truth and sets people free. We just pray for those things this morning. Lord, you, we are promised that your word will go forth and will not return void. Help it to find a landing place, Lord, a landing pad in our hearts, Jesus. Lord, may we be transformed by it and changed. In Jesus' name, amen. The Greek word translated as love in this text is agape. Agape love is a pure love. It's willful, it's sacrificial, it's intentional. It desires the highest good of another person. This kind of love is different from eros love or passionate or sensual love. Agape. Agape love is the same kind of intentional, selfless love that God has for the body of Christ, his bride and the church. We received communion this morning, and it was agape love that allowed Jesus to be arrested. It was agape love for his, his bride, his body, the, the church that allowed him to be placed upon the cross and it kept him there. It was a willful, sacrificial, intentional love that sought our highest good. And this morning we're talking, Paul's talking to husbands. And as Paul outlines in this passage of Scripture, husbands are to purposely choose to act in love towards our wives with their highest good in mind regardless of our wives' response as husbands, we are to show the agape, God kind of love to our wives. We are to show unconditional love to our wives, not love based upon how submissive they are, but love based upon how sacrificial Christ was. So in Ephesians 5, 25 and through 27, in those two passages of scriptures there, You'll, you'll see as you look at your Bibles, there's five action verbs. And I want to just highlight 
those action words. And if you're the type that likes to write in your Bible and you haven't done so, you can underline these words as I read them. The first one is found in verse 25. The action word there is love. Husbands, love your wives. Love is what your wife wants and responds to. Verse 25 in the latter part of that verse, it says, As Christ loved the church, and the next action word is gave himself up for her. We, as husbands, imitate Christ in humbling ourselves and putting the needs of our wife before our own. We lay down our lives for our wives. Verse 26 says that he may sanctify her. Sanctify. Our wife's holiness and walk with the Lord is the most important, and we'll be talking about that in just a moment. The next action word is found in verse 26. Having cleansed her, cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. The action word there is cleanse. We must take our wife's holiness and make it our top priority. And lastly, number five, the fifth action word is present. Verse 27 says, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor. We'll all one day as husbands be held accountable for how we loved our wife and led her in our marriage relationship. I've taken these five action words and summarized them down and pared them down to three characteristics of active biblical love that a husband is called to show his wife. And the first one is sacrificial love. Verse 25, again, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Did you know that a great amount of Greco-Roman men practiced adultery and the time that the Apostle Paul is writing this, they expected, it was expected within that culture that adultery would be a normal part of life. And Paul's command to husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her was very countercultural to the Gentiles at that time. To say that God commanded people to have one wife was laughable to them. But to call on husbands to lay down their lives for their wives was shocking. In the Greco-Roman world, men and women could divorce their spouse by enacting what was known as divorce by separation. Which was simply telling your spouse to leave or by leaving the marriage yourself. Divorce was very common. And probably most marriages ended in divorce before the death of either spouse. Matter of fact, Greco-Roman marriage certificates were worded as though they expected the marriage to end in divorce, not death. So Paul's command here for husbands to love their wives and to give themselves up for her undoubtedly challenged the norm of their day. And how many know that it still challenges the norm of our culture today? Current statistics show that 45% of marriages in the United States will end in divorce. 33% 
of Christian marriages in the United States will end in divorce or separation. That's appalling. However, listen to this. For those who were active in their church, the divorce rate was 27 to 50% lower than for non-church goers. It shows you the power of the local church and the power of living in community and having accountability with one another. God has ordained that the marriages of Christians would serve as a picture of his marriage per se to his body, to the outside, to the outside world. So husbands, we need to lead the way in loving our, our wives in the sacrificial love of Christ. How many have heard of the Babylon Bee? It's a satirical website as I was researching. I came across an article in the Babylon Bee entitled, Men Show Sacrificial Christ-like Love for Wife by Throwing Socks in General Direction of the Laundry Basket. My wife is shaking her head. It says, after reading Ephesians 5.25 for his morning devotional Monday morning, local centennial Colorado man Kyle Nelson promised himself he'd begin to love his wife more sacrificially as Christ loved the church. He kicked off his commitment right away by throwing his dirty socks in the general direction of the laundry hamper. With a used pair ending up on the end of the bed pretty close to the laundry basket in which they were supposed to be placed. He did this while pretending to shoot a free throw, <laughs> but missed short of the basket and called it good enough. When the world sees my radical Christ-like devotion to my wife, they'll start to think there's something to this whole Christianity thing. He said proudly as he admired his handiwork, man, Am I a good spiritual leader or what? The man then decided to take the rest of the day off, managing his fantasy football team from his smartphone as his wife prepared dinner. We need to practice self-care if we're going to be able to give ourselves wholly to our family. Just like Jesus did, he said, Honey, are you about done with dinner? Because I'm getting kind of hungry. At publishing time, Nelson had quickly run a little bit of water over his used cereal bowl before piling it in the sink for his wife to do later in a radical act of love. <laughs> we laugh because it's pretty close to home, doesn't it? Speaking of a radical act of love, men, would you lay down your life, your physical life, would you lay down your life for your wife. I see a lot of men nodding their heads. I've heard men say, I would take a bullet for my wife. And that's honorable. You know, if someone was holding you and your wife hostage and said, one of you needs to die, I'm sure that most of you men would say, you know, take me. You know, let her live. Take my life and let her live. And that's honorable, as I mentioned. But however, the sacrificial love of laying down our life for our wife that the Apostle Paul is describing in verse 25 is not a one-time event. Instead, it's a daily 
laying down of your life for a lasting marriage. If we want our marriages to last, we need to daily lay down our lives for our wives. Letting go of our pride, letting go of our self-centeredness so that Jesus can live freely through us. It made me think about Luke 9.23 when Jesus spoke to his disciples and those that were following him. There was like a multitude, a crowd of people following Jesus, and he stopped, and he turned around, and he uttered these words to the crowd. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple, to be my follower, must deny themselves and take up the cross daily and follow me. And when the disciples heard the words, take up their cross daily, they probably envisioned something more horrifying than what he was commanding. The cross that they knew was a cross set aside for crucifixion for criminals. But Jesus flipped this as stated by the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, the cross of Jesus represents love, mercy, and grace. Jesus, who was without sin, endured the punishment we deserved in order to give us the grace that we didn't. And now as his followers, he's calling Christian husbands to imitate him by laying down their life for their spouse. And marriage, death to self, leads to life. And when we die to ourselves, it's easier to shift our focus from me to we. When we die to ourselves, it's easier to shift our focus from me to we. Much too often, and you've heard this said before, many people view marriage as a 50-50. In reality, it's 100 to zero. Sacrificial love is when we love others with 100% of ourselves, never expecting anything in return. And you don't have to be a married this morning to grasp this concept. This goes back to verse 21 when it says, out of reverence for Christ, um, submit yourselves one another. Submit yourselves to one another. Sacrificial love is when we love others with 100% of ourselves, never expecting anything in return. And this is how Jesus loves us. This is what Dave was talking about this morning as he quoted Philippians 2.8, that, that Jesus, though he was God, humbled himself and became like men in the flesh, born as a baby, raised as a child, in order that we may live. When I love 100% with 0% expectation, I'm never let down. I'm free to love because I choose to, not because I feel like I have to. Isn't that freeing? Because I choose to, not because I have to. The truth is, without being filled with the Spirit, Ephesians 5.19 talks about, you know, drinking, being filled with the Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, without the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we cannot love this way because it's not natural for us. But it's the Holy Spirit of God living within us that helps us to live out the fruits of the Spirit, and that be, one of them being this type of love. So a, a sacrificial kind of love is the agape kind of love. 
Let me encourage you that when you are frustrated or angry with your spouse or anyone for that matter, turn to God in prayer. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've done this where I prayed, Heavenly Father, I need you to love my wife or this person right now because I'm not even sure I like them, let alone love them at this moment. And during these times, considering God's grace and love towards me helps, right? I'm reminded of how imperfect a person that I am, but God still loves me and he forgives me, so how can I not do that? for another person, especially the one who I vowed to spend my life with, for better or for worse, for richer, for poor, to love and to cherish in sickness and health till death do us part. When you are dead, humility and submission comes much easier. There is no will to power. There's no claiming of rights and privileges. There is any need to control. Sacrificial love enables us to demonstrate the submission commanded in Scripture. As we die to ourselves, our focus becomes lifting the other person up, focusing on their needs, and showing them that they are loved. And when we respond sacrificially in our love this way, how many know that intimacy and closeness just skyrockets? It skyrockets. The second Active biblical love is sanctifying love. Paul is saying to husbands that he might sanctify her. Show your wives sanctifying love. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her with the washing of the word. One of our jobs as men is to help our, our, wife, our wives to be more set apart for God. Did you know that? Men, you are the spiritual leader of your home. I remember um, early on somebody just kind of writing this out and talking about so God is a God of order. And God flows, his spirit flows through the things that he ordains, the order that he ordains. And he has called men to be the spiritual leader of the home. And when men are the spiritual leader of the home, there's a protection over that home. Men are walking in their authority as leaders of their home. There's a protection over that home. And so you have God, the Holy Spirit, coming down, raining down, working, flowing through that home. And then you have the husband, the wife, and the family, the children. When the home is out of alignment, that covering is removed, and the enemy can have a heyday in that home. And we'll talk about before the end of the service today, if you are a spouse who is living with an unbelieving husband, we'll talk a little bit more about that and how you can provide that covering. But there's an order, there's a divine order that the Holy Spirit, God, works through in the home. One Bible commentator wrote this in relation to this verse. He says, a wife's salvation and sanctification are solely due to the work of Christ. However, a prominent instrument in her sanctification, her being set apart to God, is her loving husband. And if a man is to wash his wife with the word, just as Christ washes his bride with the word, he himself needs to be filled with the word. Just as Christ is filled with the Word, you can't wash if you don't have any water to wash with. 
And it can't be just any kind of water either. So Jesus emphasizes the importance of the Word of God in our lives and in our marriages. In order to be the man that God created you to be, you have to be full of the Word of God. And there's only one way, one place to get this, this type of water, and that's at the well of God. You have to gather this water from the well of God. It's clean water. It's life-giving water. You can't wash your wife. You can't wash your family with the unclean water of this world. So when you fill your mind and heart only with things of this world, that's unclean water. And some men are washing their wives and their families with it. So if you want the water that your Creator intended for you to have, you need to stay connected, men, to the well of God. I thought I would get a few more amens there. Men, you need to be connected and stay connected to the well of God, which is filled with the Word of God. Why did Jesus lay down his life on the cross for his bride, the church? What was his purpose? To save her from her sins, to make her holy, to cleanse her, to one day present her before himself as a pure and spotless bride ready to spend eternity with him. I think a lot of times men um, don't like this. They instead like to trade happiness for their wives' holiness. You know, I, I've said it before. It's a cute saying, happy wife, happy life. Have you ever heard that? You know, and kind of the context or background of that statement is kind of this transactional style of relationship. If I, or a barter system, if I give my wife what she wants, here, honey, here's the credit card. Go shopping, go spend time with your friends. If I give her what she wants, then I can get in return what I want, right? So happy wife, happy life, in this context is a bunch of garbage. It's a cute saying, but it stinks. It's, it's no more than saying, here, honey, do what you want so I can go out with the guys more often, so I can watch a game without interruption, so I can get more sex. It's a barter system. And why do we do this? Because we don't want to be uncomfortable. We don't want to put in the hard work that it takes to grow a marriage. And if you're going to take serious your role as the spiritual head of your home, then you need to help your wife grow in her relationship with God. Can she grow apart from you? Yes. However, the Apostle Paul states in our text that one of our responsibilities as men is to wash our wives in the word. What does this look like? I'm going to give you a couple of ways that you can do this, and there's a lot more. One of the ways is to read Scripture with her. The Word cleanses our soul. The Word cleanses your wife's soul, their mind, their will, their emotions. Husbands and wives should read Scripture together. This can be done early in the morning. I think it's best early in the morning. Getting together, reading the Word before the day starts will change the trajectory of that day. But if it's not possible, you can get together in the evening and do it. You can do it at the dinner table. You can do it in the living room. You can put the kids down and stop and read Scripture together. A lot of people 
choose to purchase marriage devotionals in, you know, in addition to reading scripture together. A great free one I'm going to give you this morning is um, from Dave and Ashley Willis from the Naked Marriage podcast, the 31-day marriage devotional. It's free. You can download it um, online or in the YouVersion app. There's a great a great one too called fighting for my marriage devotional that you can download and there's a lot of other great devotionals out there there's tons that lisa and i've done together as well but the point is pour scripture into your family pour scripture into your wife the second one is pray with her and for her i like what one husband wrote in one of the comment sections of a marriage website on this idea of praying for your wife. This is probably the single most important thing that my wife of 28 years and I have learned is to pray for each other out loud every day. I'm supposed to be her covering. I wouldn't want my wife going out into the world naked for every man to look at. If I don't cover her each and every day, then spiritually, I'm sending her out naked for the enemy to see. We pray out loud so that we can hear with our ears and get it into our minds that we are loved and cared for. Also, we know that the enemy doesn't know everything like our Father does, so we pray out loud so that he can hear, too. We do this even when we're angry with each other, and it's amazing how hard it is to stay angry with someone when you hear them praying just for you. It's even harder to stay angry with someone while you're praying God's blessings on them for the day. Your highest goal, men, is your wife's holiness, not her happiness. And the third active characteristic of biblical love is sustaining love. It says, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes, underline that word, and cherishes, underline that word, it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The English Standard Version of the Bible translates verse 29 as nourish, uses the words nourish and cherish. To nourish is to keep alive, healthy, to strengthen, to build up, and promote. To cherish means to worm. It means to protect. It means to respect. It means to notice, to honor, to show gratitude for, and hold dear. I want to give you three quick ways that you can nourish and cherish and sustain your wife in your marriage. Number one, care for her. Care for her. How do you do this? If you have young children, care for your wife by caring for your children for a period of time in the morning or evening to allow your, your spouse to have unhurried quiet time, unhurried alone time. Care for your wife by allowing her to spend time growing friendships with other women, with other moms. I love, um, just a few months ago, reading Alyssa Smith, one of our members, posted that each year her husband and um, the other brothers, Jordan's brothers, each year plan a little mini getaway for, for the sister-in-laws to get together. And I just love stuff like that, creative stuff like that, where men are 
you know, taking responsibility of the kids, allowing their wives to get away with other women and other moms. Another way that we can nourish and cherish our wives is to cultivate consistent communication. I wrote in my notes, your wife wants to talk. Your wife needs to talk, and your wife wants to talk to you. Are you making time for talking? Because it just doesn't happen spontaneously. You have to schedule time to talk. I know that you know, I'll have something big in my life happen or in the day, and I'll come home, and Lisa will want to hear all about it, and I'll just be like silent. Lisa wants to know what's going on in my life. She wants to be a part. I know that her mind's always going, and she's talking you know, to herself in her mind, and sometimes she will be in the middle of a conversation she's having with herself, and then she'll bring me into it, and I won't have any context of what she's talking about. And it just shows me that she wants to talk to me. She wants me to be a part of her life. And I'll have to say, all right, I get what you just said, but I don't know why you said it in the context. Well, I was just thinking, and then she'll bring me up to speed. But your wife wants to talk to you. You have to talk. Set aside, aside time to talk. You need to take interest in your wife's world. You need to tell her about your world. You may want to forget about your world, but your wife wants to be informed about your world. She wants to feel a part of you. She wants to speak into your world. She wants to know that you are partnered together. And in the words of PG here, a woman is more eager to make love to a husband who is eager to communicate, and then he would say, just saying, just so you know. <laughs> Number three, create romantic memories. Husbands, it's our privilege and responsibility to romance our wives. Too often, romance becomes a casualty of a busy, hectic life, especially when you have little ones. Lisa reminds me a lot. Remember when you, like just Valentine's Day, she goes, remember some of our first Valentine's Days? You would buy roses and you would have them sitting at a reserve table at a, one of my favorite restaurants and I would show up and they would be there and I'd be surprised and it was almost like she was winking at me like what happened to that create memories with your wife do this by studying your wife know their love language language know what speaks to them if I said, honey, I got tickets to go see The Lion King, they're downtown, and we're going to go, and we're going to watch it, and it's going to be a great musical, and she'll say, I don't want to do that. Because that wouldn't speak love to her. It's not something that she would enjoy. But if I said, honey, we're going to take a short getaway, and we're going to get out of town, and we're going to spend a night somewhere, and we're gonna, it's going to be a quaint town like Cedarburg or something, we're going to walk around, and um, I've got you know, a nice place for us to have dinner lined up and we're going to stop at this coffee shop and we'll have time to talk to one and she will, that will just fill her love tank. So create memories with your wife. Study your wife. Know their love language, what speaks love to them. Also do this at the beginning of each week, husbands. Ask yourself these two questions. How can I serve my wife this week? And number two, how can I surprise my wife this week. I like what Family Life Ministries offers at familylife.com. What, what you can do together annually. It says there's 10 questions that you can ask your spouse, your husband, or your wife that are just really helpful for setting the tone for the year. If you go to familylife.com, there's like a little magnifying glass up in the corner. 
tap that and just type in 10 questions to ask your wife each year or 10 questions to ask your husband each year. I think you'll find that list to be very helpful. In closing this morning, I just want to say to those of you that may be struggling in your marriage right now, your marriage is not, you know, it's not running at full speed. You know that it could be better. I heard a pastor once say, um, I go to marriage counseling. I spend time and I make an intentional effort to schedule time for my wife and I to go to marriage counseling, not because our, our marriage is, you know, at the point of destruction or can't be fixed, but I go there because I take my car every three to 6,000 miles to get an oil change, to get tuned up, then I see it the same way. I need to make sure that my marriage is running at top, top notch. I need to make sure that I'm, in um, the words of Steve McKenzie, where Steve, I'm changing the oil. <laughs> Men will know what I'm talking about if you're a part of one of our men's meeting, breakfast a couple years ago. I'm changing the oil in my marriage. So get help. Get Christian counseling. If you don't know what's available in the area, come talk to me. Come talk to one of the elders. There's several um, of us in the, in the church that are currently going to a, a good counselor, Christian counselor, or have, and we will refer you and give you some recommendations. Surround yourselves with people with healthy marriages. I remember in, in um, college, it says if you want to get smarter about a subject, then spend time with people that are excelling in that subject. I was taking Greek, and um, it was daunting to me. It was like over my head, but I know that my next door um, dorm mate, you know, that was in the dorm room next to me, excelled at Greek. So guess what? When he would go out and study, I would say, can I go along? And we would study together, and we became good at Greek together. So if you want to get good in your marriage and you want to have a healthy marriage, then spend time with people with healthy marriages. Put your relationship ahead of everything, including your children. Lance, why would you say that? You know, put my relationship with my wife and in front of my children. Yes. If you need to do that for a season, yes. Because you know what? I was so sad. And when my um, oldest son, Josh, came home and said, Dad, out of my five closest friends, three of them, their parents, are getting a divorce. And I watched as one of those families, the son and daughter of that mom and dad, were just destroyed. The daughter, um, they had to check in um, to a, a mental health recovery place because she was struggling with such severe depression that she couldn't even go to school. Anxiety was ripping the heart out of their son. The happiest kids I know are the ones who have a mom and dad who are working things out, who are fighting for their marriage. Your kids want your marriage to survive. So if you need to take time putting your spouse first beyond your kids, let the community, let the church come around and support you. Let your extended family come around and support you. Fight for your marriage. The enemy wants to destroy it, but God wants it to survive. Let's stand together as I just sum all this up. I know the men of our church love their wives. I know that men of our church work hard. 
And I know that our job doesn't end when we come home. It's not a time to just lay on the couch, kick up our feet, and watch TV and tune out the rest of the world. As Christian men, we come home to our wife and our kids, and we take our responsibility to open the Bible. We pray. We read. We play with the kids. We help with dishes. We help with homework or whatever needs to happen. And we do this all for the honor and glory of God. And that's what sacrificial, sanctifying, sustaining love looks like. So whether you're a child, a teenager, single, divorced, widowed, newly married, or been married for a while, let's all partner together to make this the reality in this church. Let's help the marriages of Metro Believers Church survive. And not just survive, but thrive. Amen? Let's worship together as we close the service. And then I've asked Matt to come up and share just a few more things. And then we'll pray a benediction and we'll be out of here. Messages like this can hit in different ways. Um, I know for me it was outstanding as a husband. It also reminded me of being a kid and my dad wasn't in church. I think a couple times. I think the Christmas and Easter. And I actually remember one Christmas play he met, missed and that was a big deal. Uh, we would... Uh, we were part of plays at church, and it was always a big deal. It was like every farmer at this country church showed up, and they all had those bags of peanuts and uh, apples and oranges and, like, a piece of candy in there. Um, they all made sure every kid got one, but he would miss those from time to time. And so I guess I want to encourage those who might be here saying, gosh, so-and-so needs to hear this, you know. Or know someone, I know one of the brothers in our men's group. Um, he's just interceding for a marriage that the husband's kind of checked out. And so um, I just want to encourage you, if you know someone like that, or uh, if you know someone who knows someone like that, to be encouraged. Um, I grew up praying for my dad every night. You know, now I lay me down to sleep. We would pray that rote prayer. And then we would pray for him. My mom would just keep showing up. Come to church, come to church. Those other dads would be there. They'd say, hey, I see you scored 20 last night in the game. Way to go, we're cheering for you. So God worked through all that. My mom sat there, she prayed, she trusted. And her testimony is, deserves more than a few minutes. I'd love to share it with you at another time if you want. But someone in the church even told her she should leave at one point. But I remember where I was standing when I got the call in my dorm room. 
your dad just accepted Jesus as a savior. When I was 19, I felt like I'd seen that before, heard that before. But it was all different. It was all different. So I was a little cynical in the moment. And then I went back and was with him. And it was all different. And now, 28 years later, it's all different and it's all better. It's all been made new. He calls me like at 7.55. He calls me at 12. And he calls me like at 5.01. Any idea why that? That's before he got to work. It's when he took lunch. It's when he got off of work. He kind of thinks that's how my day works, but it's not like that. But all that is because one woman said, I'm going to stay, I'm going to trust, I'm going to pray. Believe the promises of 1 Corinthians 7. Paul speaks to this. He says those children are sanctified. Those children aren't alone. And you're not alone. The church is around you. The church is for you. The church is believing. The church is not judging. The church is not judging. These guys, I can see their faces now. It was never, where's your dad? It was more, hey, tell your dad I said hi. Nobody's judging. But we got to hang in there. We got to pray. We got to stand beside. He's making all things new. So I pray that all of us could leave encouraged. Man, this was great today. Last week was great too. Um, we need this. The Lord can move through strong marriages, strong families. So let's trust him. Let's pray. I'm actually going to pray the benediction here. So let's lift our hands. Before they do that, I want to pray one more word. So Father, I thank you for this time I thank you for the, the way Lance has sought you uh, to teach on this difficult these difficult verses there's no hiding from this none of us can look the other way and say hey me you know and if we're single here we, we want to be a husband or a wife someday it's like we all can, can play a part in this and so he's done it well and I ask your spirit to move in our hearts so we would respond well and so work in our hearts, Lord, and as I, as I look to Ephesians, I just pray this benediction over us. Your word says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen, Father. We love you.